Hello and welcome to Chasing Elephants, a podcast by SwiftScale. Chasing Elephants is an analogy for young businesses trying to sell into large enterprise clients, also called elephants. If your startup can catch an elephant, it'll feed you for a long time. However, the task is often fraught with risk, and it might just kill you. On this podcast, we invite a range of startup founders and corporate executives to share their stories and insights into this topic. Whether you're an up-and-coming entrepreneur, a seasoned executive, or simply curious about the dynamics between startups and corporates, this podcast will throw light on the all-important subject of chasing elephants. On this Execs on the Beach episode, I had the privilege of speaking with Martin Fleming. Martin is the Chief Operating Officer at the AA. We start our conversation by speaking a bit about the recent rebrand of the AA and how there's a lot more to the company than the average person like me might expect. We also speak about how the company is going to be using AI and telematics to improve their service and help the planet. Martin was a brilliant guest for the show as he's worked on both sides of enterprise sales. He was the co-founder of his own startup in the early 2000s and has since been working in senior roles across insurance and finance. It was great to get his take on Chasing Elephants and to hear which startups and technologies he believes will disrupt and transform various industries in the years to come. I hope you find this episode as informative and engaging as I did. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Martin Fleming. Okay, hello, Martin Fleming. Thanks so much for joining me. Hi, George. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show. So it's it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, I'd just like to kick off by asking the same question I ask each time. Um, Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your career so far? So how did you end up as the Chief Operating Officer at the AA? Um, Well, I I studied engineering, so I always had an interest in technology. uh, And I worked as an engineer in the aviation sector for for a few years. Um, But then I did an MBA and went into consulting and uh, pretty soon thereafter, I ended up in financial services and was there for quite a long time um, and doing uh, uh, COO roles or transformation roles or uh, technology roles. That, that that type of role has been sort of the common theme through my career. So uh, that's, that's how I've ended up in this role. Perfect. So there should be lots to talk about. I mean, we're all about technology and innovation at SwiftScale and uh, on this podcast. Um, but just to cover quickly for the listeners, being a COO, um, what exactly does that entail? Um, it varies quite a lot across different companies. And the way um, my boss answers that question is uh, the COO does whatever the CEO wants him to do. Um, yeah. But in, uh, in my role at the moment, uh, uh, what it is is um, transformation, technology, digital data, procurement and property. So it's quite a broad role. Uh, it doesn't involve frontline operations, but it, it very much involves supporting those frontline operations with the technology they use every day. Uh, one common theme throughout all of that, and really the key focus of, of the role is, is transformation. It's about um, modernizing our company, creating the future AA. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, most people have this picture of the AA as just that front line. That's what most people see. So I think the AA, I think of these are the people I call if my car breaks down. Um, so it sounds like there's, you know, a lot more moving parts to the AA uh, than than just that. Um, I know there's sort of an insurance aspect to it. Uh, would you be able to just paint us a slightly more detailed picture of the AA and all the parts that make up the organization that we think we're quite familiar with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, breakdown is the core of our business, and it's you know uh, 
about um, 75 percent or so of revenues. But and it's at the heart of our purpose, which uh, which we've done a lot of work on our purpose as a company recently, which is um, to create confidence for drivers now and for the future. Um, so confidence is at the heart of that purpose. But we have a range of driving related services right across what we call the driving life cycle. So, uh, it, you know, if you start at the beginning, when you learn to drive, uh, we have two driving schools, a drive, driving school and also a British School of Motoring, together really the biggest driving school in the country. Um, uh, we help you to get a car. We have AA Cars, uh, a website that sells cars. We also have financing options for cars. We help you to get on the road with motor insurance. Uh, we, we help you to, when you have a breakdown, obviously with our core business, but more recently, we also help you avoid a breakdown. We've just launched a, a really exciting product, which we might talk about later uh, under the you know brand name AAX at the moment, uh, which is all about using machine learning AI to predict uh, when cars break down and avoid the breakdown in the first instance. Um, we help people when they have an accident. We have an accident assist business. It's growing really strongly in that uh, deals with everything around an accident for people. And we have a service maintenance and repair business. So um, we've got a network of 400 garages that we uh, we don't own them directly, but we manage uh, the uh, bookings and uh, and direct customers into that network and, and maintain uh, the quality of that network. So um, yeah, really uh, the whole driving life cycle is what we're about. You, you might have seen that in our latest ad campaign as well, that we're sort of highlighting the breadth of these services. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fun, uh, sort of funny advert. Um, and it, it looks as though there's been quite a lot of rebranding going on, sort of logo changes. Um, is that something you've been actively involved in? Yeah, well, I guess we've, we've all been actively involved in the thinking about what the purpose of the AA, AA is, what our strategic vision is, and and... Uh, the rebrand and advertising campaign is built upon that, you know, foundation. But uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't get to do the exciting uh, stuff like making new TV adverts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's great then. It sounds like the the campaign is doing a good job of, well, clearing up essentially the assumption that I have and that a lot of other people have that, oh, the AA is just about breakdowns um, and that's it. So, yeah, I, I think it was a, a really nice advert. One of the big projects you'll have been working on is that, uh, rebrand. Are there any other exciting or challenging, perhaps unusual projects that you've been working on lately? Uh, lots of challenging and exciting ones. Uh, I, I probably would um, uh, talk about what I mentioned about AAX is probably one of the most uh, exciting ones. Uh, and that is, you know, you know, we, we have um, something like 40 million uh, breakdowns uh, that we've done over the years that we've actually captured quite a lot of information about. And um, we've used that data to train uh, machine learning models to predict uh, when a car will break down and to help you avoid a breakdown. And uh, and that's, that's interesting. And we've done stuff in that space before. But what's really interesting, if you link that with um, our service maintenance and repair business, so we can sort of tell you you've got a problem and we can offer you a solution to it. And uh, the solution is not just um, about um, sending you to a garage, uh, but we, we we also have mobile repair. Uh, and uh, and it, it's also, it also goes back to that whole purpose of giving confidence. It may be, actually, you have a warning light. We give you the reassurance that it isn't something urgent. You can get it done 
dealt with in the next few weeks at a time that's convenient for you and you know we'll help you book an appointment and and the last bit about confidence people have a lot of uh worries about the cost of car repairs because it's often quite a big surprise but again we've used the data that we have um on repair costs over thousands and thousands of cases of repair costs for different makes and models to give people um, an estimate of the what the cost is going to be for the default. So I think it's a really exciting use of data and uh, the full scope, you know, a lot of the scope of what, what the AA has offered as a company beyond just breakdown, uh, you know, putting that together into a package that hopefully will add value to customers. Uh, and we're trying it in just a few um, localized areas at the moment, but with a view to rolling it out as um, as uh, as the year progresses. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, w- would I be right in saying that w- what you're presenting there is the idea that by using AA and uh, sorry by by using AI uh, that you can predict when something's going to go wrong and repair it before it goes wrong, and that that's therefore uh, financially better for the consumer because it, it's better to yeah. fix something in yeah. advance than than to wait till it all goes wrong. Yeah, it's much well. Like it's it's. Uh much better it goes back to confidence like they've got the confidence they're not going to break down in the m6 you know uh when it's um you know snowing and uh, they're trying to get to their uh you know destination and um and and uh you know it's it it will be lower cost probably overall because it won't have to get an emergency fixed on um and it's good for us as well because um that you know not breaking down is is better than breaking down for us as well because it, it's uh it lowers our operational costs yeah of course um and it, it seems to me quite an exciting technology there seems to be a predictive element to ai that that i'm seeing in like medical technologies that i'm looking at so predicting mm-hmm. is this person going to get ill it's quite cool to see that applied to cars like their sort of human bodies going, yeah. is this car feeling a bit poorly how do we make sure that it, yeah. it stays on top of things um exactly yeah so yeah it's definitely an exciting technology um are there any other technologies you're excited about um and that you think are are going to cause a lot of change in your industry going forwards well i, I think the whole uh it, it sort of links to that as well but data you know is the new superpower um it's really important um for companies across a range of industries to um you know leverage the data they have to enrich that data um to use it to build you know personalized products and services um and uh um you know that's very true for us especially you know our insurance business you know that's essentially what it's about like it's really really core to that business uh finding new sets of data that we can consume to better price our products um but it's becoming more important for um a range of other part, parts of our business you know it's uh, uh i think historically our uh our you know the AA was you know it's over 100 years old and it's acquired different businesses along along the way but it hasn't um integrated the data as well as it could have um and really over the last couple of you know three years or so under new management and new ownership that's become a big focus for us so um and it will be a focus going forward as well yeah absolutely um that makes a lot of sense and and i'd also just like to ask then 
is that something you would also say is true for the finance industry? Because I know that you've worked in yeah. finance for, for quite a while and we've certainly yeah. seen a few companies lately that are doing personalized finance and recommending certain financial actions people can take in order to achieve financial goals. Would you say that's true? It's absolutely. And I think uh, for a lot of the same reasons, banks, you know, are pretty old, uh, lots of legacy systems, uh, you know, um, getting, getting, you know, the, the big challenge with, with machine learning and AI is really getting the data sets into the productionized and into the right, you know, curated and ready to be consumed. So, uh, the actual algorithms involved, that's the easy bit. And, uh, um, you know, for example, when I was in um, Lloyd's Banking Group, we did a uh, an income verification um, uh, capability that basically, instead of having to, you know, find 12 months of pay slips and various bits of p- paper to prove your income, we just looked at your bank account and calculated what your income was, uh, which sounds trivial, but um, it's more complicated than you think. And uh it required uh, lots of data, um, lots of training of the model, and um, and and you know a lot of the ethical issues around AI as well, making sure that it was, you know, giving the right answer and not, um, you know, either overestimating or underestimating income. It took a lot of uh, a lot of work, um, but it, you know it, that's that's the power you can unleash um, that lots of companies can unleash with the data they already have if they can. Uh, just get it in, use it and leverage it. Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of potential, but I think you're right. There is that caveat, isn't there, of um, if you're giving financial advice, it's always something people are careful about, especially on productions like this. We say this is not financial advice. If it's a an AI yeah. robot giving financial advice, yeah. Yeah, who's yeah. to blame? It's a bit sort of hard to trace that. Yeah, I think you. I would personally not brand what AI is doing as advice in that, in that respect. Um, but I think that there's, um, lots of other, uh, you know, value that can be added to, uh, processes, even to the advice process itself, you know? So, um, like one thing I've seen happening in financial services is, you know, complementing the human advice with AI. So, you know, you sit down with an advisor, they understand your situation and they make some recommendations, but when it comes to writing, writing that up they can use uh ai tools to make that process a lot speedier and probably more accurate you know and more personalized than than uh, a human being would uh but you're you're kind of complementing the human there as well like what one of the things i uh, i like to think about it is like you know trying uh uh make the people jobs more interesting and dealing with the complex exceptions and automate the things that are routine uh, or use AI to, you know, automate those things. Um, but, you know, really retain people for the very complex, exceptional processes. Yeah, I, I completely agree, actually. I've, I've had a already on this podcast a long conversation about AI. And, I'm, I'm, you know, it's a new technology. I'm struggling to see how I view it. But I think you're right, where it helps us to be more human and do the more human elements of our jobs better, it's really good. And, you know, by taking on quite robotic tasks that make us feel a bit like robots or drones, it can actually make us feel more human because it's like, oh, brilliant, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm quite excited about um, some of these startups that are are producing that kind of technology. Um, I actually wonder, I mean, are there any startups uh, or, you know, 
young scaling businesses that that you're excited about that might be affecting your industry soon? Yeah, I think there's some like there's lots of people. Uh, if you look at insurance, like there's lots of um, interesting things going on there. Um, some of the things uh, I, I thought particularly were neat, you know, are things like you know um, temporary car insurance. Uh, you might have heard of a company called Kuva. Um, you know, I saw my son and his friends using it. Uh, that, that's how I first got uh, exposed to it. So you can get insured for like three hours on a car, uh, and uh, you know, it's a it's a great solution uh, for for young people if they're kind of trying to share driving on a long trip. Um, and then there's Marshmallow. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they do um, they do uh, insurance for people that you know, like myself, were born outside of the UK and uh, may have learned to drive some elsewhere. And if you've only just arrived in the UK, you can pay quite a high premium versus somebody who learned to drive in the UK and they're trying to eliminate that. So, you know, it, it, using other data sources and, you know, different underwriting methods. Um, the uh, the other area that's quite interesting is um, around telematics um, and insurance is doing a lot of telematics as well. But Would you be able to just define what telematics are for the listeners in case they don't know? Yeah, um, telematics um, quite simply is uh, streaming data from uh, a moving vehicle, and it ranges um, from you know the the speed location of the vehicle to um, how quickly it's cornering, how quickly it's braking, to uh, what what we're getting into now, which is quite interesting, is the the um, diagnostics from the engine. Uh, fuel levels, you know, other fluid levels, um, you know, the sort of overall health of the car as well as how as as well as how it's being driven. So um, uh, there's, um, believe it or not, like there's up to seven thousand data points coming from some cars. So it's uh, it's it's expanding rapidly. It, it it used to be just speed and location, and now it's like lots and lots of data. Great, yeah, thank you. That's a, a great explanation. Um, yeah, sorry to interrupt. So going back to your uh, answer. Yeah. One of the things that we're interested in, and we've seen our customers being interested in, is that, um, uh, you know, how do you um, drive your car in a way that's uh, less damaging to the earth, you know, that's less damaging to, to the environment? Because, you know, whilst, you know, electric and hydrogen vehicles are probably the long-term solution, uh, the average, you know, it, it it takes about 14 years for the car park to turn over in the UK. So there's going to be a lot of um, ice cars on the road for, for many, many years. And if we can drive those more efficiently um, until they they need to be scrapped, that that's helping the environment as well. And there's companies like uh, uh, Car AI, which uh, I had a bit of a look at it. But, and also we've done a trial with a, a company called Lightfoot for our own patrol vans to help them reduce their carbon footprint. Um, so yeah, th those are some of the things I'd be... And uh, sorry, last one on uh, on uh, telematics is we use a company called TrackMate, small company. And uh, that's because when I talk about our uh, AAX um, project where we're predicting when cars will break down, uh, with newer cars, they have inbuilt modems that we stream the data from, but older cars don't have that. So we... We have a dongle from TrackM8 that you uh, plug into the OBD in the car and it sends the data to us on a continuous basis. 
that that's a fantastic answer it's a really interesting list of companies uh, a couple i've heard of a few that i'll i'll definitely be looking up after this um th those companies are really exciting um but i think one of the things we're really interested in at swift scale is how exciting companies like that with solutions that really can change an industry how can they work with large enterprises there are always barriers right between smaller companies and, and bigger companies working together. What do you think those barriers are and how do you think they can best be overcome? Yeah, I think that I'd probably uh, talk about risk, you know, un unfortunately. So so big companies um, are quite risk averse. And, you know, it's sometimes hard for startup. And, I, and I've been in a startup myself um, uh, back in 1999, 2020, during the dot-com just before the dot-com bust. Um, but uh, so I, I've seen this from both sides. Big companies are, you know, they, they have to protect very valuable brands, you know, make sure that, you know, millions of customers get served reliably. Um, so they're often nervous about um, relying on a, a small startup that, you know, may not be around forever. Um, and, uh, so, uh, and, and also may not be able to scale. I think that's the other risk um, you know, longevity, scalability, and then, you know, increasingly security, um, cyber, you know, so if you're going to open up your uh, estate to another company, that you, you have very, very high hurdles to overcome as a startup. Um, so getting around those sort of risk issues, I think, is a, is a big thing that startups uh, need to face into. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly something I've come across when I speak to startups. Sometimes they say, yeah, we've got a great market here or we've got a great market here. We don't do this part of Europe so much because it's harder to get past certain regulations. So, um, yeah, as a small team, I suppose it's harder to adapt to to those kinds of things. Yeah, um, yeah. So what traits do you think a startup should have um, in order to, to be an attractive prospect to uh, a large enterprise and to allay those fears and, and to kind of put that caution to rest yeah i guess it's a lot of it it's a lot of it's about understanding understanding you know the corporate that they're trying to do business with understanding what problems they're trying to solve understanding their uh you know risk appetite you know like for example we you know we uh do lots of business with oems you know car manufacturers like when they're in their warranty period we do the um, breakdown service for there but that means we've got links into their system so uh, going back to your point like German car manufacturers are very risk averse around data and uh, they've got very high standards so not only do we have to comply with ISO standards but we also have to comply with specific German uh, standards around uh, data security cyber security etc so um, I think if a startup comes with an understanding of that context um, uh, that's going to be to their advantage. And it's often a lot easier for them to meet some of those standards um, uh, paradoxically than it is for us with a lot of legacy systems. So um, it, it's, it often isn't uh, as big a barrier, just something to be aware of and to prepare for when you're dealing with a corporate customers or large corporates. Yeah, thank you. That's that's a really insightful answer. Um, and it's it certainly rings true again with some of the stronger startups I've seen are the ones who've maybe worked in an industry already and kind of know their way around it and know the problem that they're trying to solve. Um I, I really appreciate you taking the time. It's it's been a, an interesting discussion. Um I've certainly learned a lot myself about the AA and just in general.
so I'd just like to kind of close the way we usually close, which is asking a more personal question. So um, with the benefit of hindsight, knowing what you know now, is there anything that you would have done differently in your career? Um, not not too much. Like, I, I think um, I, I like, you know, I think taking risks when you're when you're younger in your career and doing different things is good. You know, I, I, I said I did a startup. I'm, it, it didn't make me a multimillionaire, but I'm really glad I did it because I learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, learning, listening, you know, that's the main thing to do early in your career and really throughout your career. You know, it's uh, uh, I'm still learning and listening. Yeah, that's uh, that echoes a, a kind of a couple of other answers we've had. Yeah, curiosity and and learning seems to be yeah. so key to to getting into the positions um, of the you know up high in some big companies. Um, so I, I'd also like to just finally ask if if you don't mind me asking one small little question at the end. If you weren't uh, a chief operating officer, what would you be? An architect, and, and not a technology architect, by the way, an architect that designs houses. But, uh that's uh, okay so so but so your background was in was in en engineering did you say yeah yeah engineering yeah so uh, i almost went down the architecture route um i don't have any regrets but um yeah it's something i uh i still like and uh but uh yeah being an architect is probably a uh a, a very cyclical job <laughs> yeah so was there a moment that sort of decided that path for you of going one way rather than the other? Or did it just sort I, of... I probably, I probably, yeah. It, no, I think it was technology really that attracted me towards engineering is that as much as I liked architecture and designing buildings and uh, uh, the art involved in that, um, I, I had a, a lot of interest in technology. So uh, uh, that's why I went down to engineering route. Sure. And it certainly comes across that you've got that interest in technology. Um, it's been fantastic to hear your insights into the future technology that we're going to be seeing and uh, some of the startups and their technology that's being currently employed. So, yeah, I mean, I'll just say thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you, George. Great to speak. Thank you for listening to Chasing Elephants. And thank you again to my guest, Martin Fleming. I really liked this episode. I hope there's something in here for everyone. I was certainly interested myself to learn about telematics and to hear about those startups that Martin thinks it's worth keeping an eye on. The insights in this episode are all down to Martin's enthusiasm for and his knowledge of technology. I'm really grateful he took the time to record what is certainly one of my favourite episodes yet. If you enjoyed it too, be sure to share it on social media or just in the old fashioned way by word of mouth. It really helps out the show. This was a podcast by Swift Scale. We've been in the business of connecting scaling companies to large enterprises for over seven years. We understand the difficulties of chasing elephants. So if you're a founder looking to scale your business, or you're an executive who wants to keep your finger on the pulse of innovation, feel free to reach out to us through our website, swiftscale.co, or message us on LinkedIn. If you found this podcast informative, please leave a positive rating and review, and subscribe so you can keep up to date with our startup and executive interviews. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to catch you on the next one.